You're listening to the Burke and Ms. The Wiz Montalban Fantasy Football Podcast, the place I go to get my fantasy fulfilled. The best analysis, advice, and opinions on fantasy football that you can't find anywhere else. Let the fantasy begin. Hi, you're listening to Ms. Montalban. I'm here today to bring you the latest signings, injuries, and breaking news. Thank you for joining me. Let's get started. We've got some pretty big news today. The top story for this Monday has been the head coach and general manager of the Houston Texans, Bill O'Brien, is no longer the head coach and general manager of the Houston Texans. McNair fired him today. And if you've been paying attention to the saga over in Houston, my big takeaway is what took so long? And I'm not even talking about the season. You know, they had a death march with, you know, starting off with the Chiefs and then going to the Ravens and then the Steelers. And yeah, they should have beat the Vikings. They were at home, but they didn't. But if you're going back to last year, uh, Jadeveon Clowney went to the Seahawks. They basically paid Seattle for him to get like 15 sacks last year for the Seahawks. And that's just a bad investment. Not really getting a lot of value back. Uh, the, the trade was a pretty bad trade. So that was like strike one. Then strike two was you trade for Laramie Tunsil and you give up more, like two number one draft picks, but then you don't sign Laramie Tunsil to an extension. So you give up these high commodity draft picks for someone that you, you don't sign an extension to. And so that's like strike number two. And then... Before the season, he decides that he's tired of DeAndre Hopkins. Doesn't like DeAndre Hopkins for whatever reason. I don't know why in the world you would want to start a season without DeAndre Hopkins. But, you know, personality conflict, whatever, just decides to get rid of him. The problem is Bill O'Brien, when he wants to get rid of somebody, doesn't care about their value. He just wants to get rid of them. So he sends them off for nothing. So... You know, he gets David Johnson, who was going to be cut by the Cardinals anyways. You know, instead of waiting for him to get cut and try to sign him, or, you know, even if you wanted to trade for him to make sure he was on your team, I mean, you don't give up DeAndre Hopkins. And on top of that, you don't even secure a first-round draft pick for him. So you give up these first-round draft picks, you don't get a first-round draft pick. And right there, strike number three for me. So they end up taking him into the season, and now he's not winning you don't have any first or second round picks for this coming up draft and you're one of the worst teams in football so talk about bad asset management and then on top of that you know imagine being that coach going or the gm going into that situation and you know we'll just build for the future well now we can't build for the future because bill Bryan traded all our picks so just all the way around um i think what kind of turned me off about the whole situation in the first place was Bill O'Brien got the old general manager fired, so he could be GM. And, well, you've seen how that turns out, and that's why I've never really liked head coaches being general managers. And I say that for all situations, because I'll even throw Bill Belichick in there. I think he's a great coach, but I think he's lacking as a general manager. And uh, I think he had Brady to kind of cover over that fact. But anyways, uh, rough situation in Houston. Interested to see how they work that out. But uh, I want to move on to some other pretty big news, and we need the bells and whistles for this one because, you know, it's already Monday, and, uh, well, Tuesday was when the Titans started testing positive for COVID-19. This is the first official day that a staff member or a a player hasn't tested positive for COVID-19. So let's give them a big hoorah celebration because, I mean... It's preposterous that it's been seven, almost seven days straight, well, five days probably straight, of them having someone test negative or test positive for COVID-19. So the fact that they're all negative, you know, thank God maybe the, uh, the game this week will be salvaged, unlike the, the game this week was, and we can get back to some normalcy. I really am interested to see what hap- or see what the review and investigation has to say about uh, the way Titans were conducting business because... I mean, I get that accidents can happen, but this seemed like an outbreak. And how do you let an outbreak happen, especially with the protocols in place to avoid this exact situation? So 
I'm not ready to let the Titans off the hook by any means. And uh, I, you know, I, I'm just glad that uh, maybe they can continue with the season without further uh, changes to the schedule or alterations because it affects the other teams that they're playing for sure. Anyway, we'll bounce off of that and go to some of the big news that happened over the week. Nick Chubb hurt his MCL, and it was pretty significant. He went on the IR. That's great news for Cream Hunt owners who love Cream Hunt. And I like Cream Hunt, and if you've listened to this podcast, I was a big Chubb guy. And uh, I thought Hunt was a you know a great one-two punch that they had, that they are both effective running backs. But, man, the value of Cream Hunt now just skyrockets. I mean, he's going to get the bulk of the uh, the carries, but, you know, as much as the, the Browns run the ball, you know there has to be another piece in play still. I mean, Cream Hunt can't take over all that workload. So uh, we'll get into that later in this podcast, but definitely significant news. Nick Chubb's going to go missing, and, you know, you just got to really appreciate what he's done so far this year. Austin Eckler went to IR. This is even a more significant blow because I'm not sure he comes back. Really hurt his hamstring. Couldn't even get on the cart. Feel really bad for the guy because I just love watching Austin Eckler play. He's just such a dynamic running back and, and fun to watch. And now he's on IR, and I, I don't think he'll come back this season. Uh, I mean, I'm speculating. I don't know for sure. But just an initial thoughts watching him try to get onto the cart and not make it. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a pretty rough deal. O.J. Howard, he's out for the year. Hurt his Achilles which was disappointing because he was having a stellar game. Caught a touchdown from Brady. I mean, who didn't catch a touchdown from Brady? But he looked great. was uh, definitely becoming a uh, a target for for Brady. They're building some chemistry, and now it's over. Before it began, he will miss the season. And Jordan Aikens and Tyler Eifert, they both got concussions. They left the game. Not sure how long that's going to affect either player. They, they both should play this coming up week, but concussions are tricky, so it's definitely worth monitoring for uh, this coming up week. Yay! Here's a segment where we kind of recap week four, so we can just move full steam ahead into week five. But, you know, I make these predictions, and so I like to revisit them just so we kind of see where we stand. And uh, it makes the, the podcast go a little, the, the flow go a little bit smoother. I was seven and eight on the versus the spread. I don't like that at all. Definitely like to be on the winning side. I'm 32 and 31 overall, so I'm over 500. But uh, want to shoot that record up into the stratosphere and get a lot uh, a lot higher than this. So week five is my my chance to do this, and uh, I'm ready for it. I'm ready to do it. Anyway, going into my my start and sits, we already went over that Thursday night game during the, the uh, last podcast. Uh, Sunday morning games, Baltimore at Washington. I said the start Lamar Jackson, Hollywood Brown. I said uh, Miles Boykin or Willie Sneed, Terry McLaurin, Logan Thomas, and Mark Andrews. And although Jackson, Hollywood Brown made a, a, a bigger appearance, uh, Terry McLaurin was really good. He got over 100 yards. He just needed a touchdown. Would have really made his day. Mark Andrews got two touchdowns, so I'm really happy about that. I really said that this was going to be his week, and it was. I, I did a good job last week of calling the tight end production, except for Logan Thomas. Again, he had two good matchups in a row and didn't do anything with them. So I'm, I'm really pivoting away from Logan Thomas in all formats. Even with a good matchup, he hasn't shown me that uh, he's becoming a, a big enough part of the offense to consider being a start. S- set Dwayne Haskins which was an okay play. I mean, he didn't play bad, but he didn't play good. So it uh, he definitely wasn't in the top 12. Benchmark Ingram, J.K. Dobbins, both good plays on that end. Gus Williams was probably, or Gus, sorry, Gus Edwards was probably the, uh, the guy to play for sure. Uh, Antonio Gibson I had as a sit. That was a, a miss for sure. Moving on to the Chargers in Tampa Bay. Had Tom Brady starting, Austin Eckler. Uh, I probably would have had a great game if he didn't get injured. I had Joshua Kelly, but he he did okay. It wasn't uh, four point three points is I guess mediocre, so he probably should have been a sit. Chris Godwin didn't play. Mike Evans ended up getting hurt, but he caught a touchdown. I had O.J. Howard. He had a really good day 
if you had him at tight end, he had really good production. And I had Justin Herbert sitting, and Justin Herbert actually did pretty well. I was impressed with him. So he, he could have been a start for sure. Um, Ronald Jones I had sitting. He rushed for over 100 yards, so he could have been a start. And then I had Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and Hunter Henry sitting, which was a good call considering that uh, they used everybody in the book besides them because of injury. Um, Seattle at Miami, Russell Wilson, Ryan Fitzpatrick. You know, I thought this was going to be a huge kind of shootout game, a lot of scoring, a lot of fantasy goodness, as I like to say. And I watched that game pretty intently, and it was none of the above. Russell Wilson, Ryan Fitzpatrick still, you know, were top 12 quarterbacks, but nothing like what I predicted or wanted, to be honest. Uh, Wanted a lot more from them. Didn't get it. Chris Carson, two touchdowns, had a great game. I had him in my starting lineup. Tyler Lockett was invisible, said to start him. He had that amazing game and then just decided not to even show up this game. It's like, uh, you know, I did enough in the last game for two games, so I'm not going to do anything today. And he didn't. So DK Metcalf, he had a good game. He had 100 yards. Just uh, he was kind of frustrating because he had that one pass to him that was intercepted in the end zone. And you're like, man, really needed to connect on that. And then he had that uh, screen pass that he took to the one-yard line, and then Chris Carson ran it in. And that was just disappointing because it's like, man, you needed that one yard to score. So DK Metcalf in the touchdown category has been frustrating for for two weeks in a row. I had Devontae Parker and Preston Williams. Devontae Parker you know, got a lot of targets, got yards, didn't score. Preston Williams got one catch for 15 yards. Was a real big bust in my eyes in that regard. And, uh, you know, it's at the, the tight ends, Gasicki, which was good. He had like 15 yards, and uh, Gaskins didn't do much. So good calls on all the way around on that. Minnesota at Houston, I was starting Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins actually had a pretty good day. He was worth starting. Deshaun Watson had him. He was worth starting. Dalvin Cook, David Johnson, Adam Thielen, uh, Will Fuller. And I actually had Cooks and Cobb. Fuller was a great start. Cooks and Cobb, not so much. And I actually was sitting Justin Jefferson. I didn't think he was going to have the week that he had the week before. And I was really wrong because he had 100 yards. He didn't score, but he was definitely fantasy relevant. Jordan Aikens, I had him sit. He got a concussion. And Kyle Rudolph didn't do much as well. So uh, good calls all the way around. I missed on Justin Jefferson pretty much only. And then also starting Cobb. But uh, New Orleans at Detroit started Drew Brees. Did pretty well. Matthew Stafford uh, did all right. Uh, Alvin Kamara, he's Alvin Kamara. He was nine. I mean, I really thought he'd be top one. I mean, I thought there was no way he wouldn't be top one. He ended up being the number nine running back, unfortunately. Manuel Sanders told, said to start him. Traquan Smith, which if you started Traquan Smith, you got two touchdowns. So good call there. And I also said Kenny Holiday and T.J. Hawkinson. Both of those guys got touchdowns. So. I actually did a pretty good job of calling this game. Uh, Adrian Peterson, you sit. DeAndre Swift, even though he Swift did get a, a receiving touchdown. Marvin Jones, Jared Cook. Jared Cook didn't even play. He was hurt. Marvin Jones did nothing. So good calls. I mean, like I said, so far I'm, you know, there's a hit or miss here and there, but uh, I really uh, this going through the process. I really. Uh, Proved that uh, they were the right call so far. Baker Mayfield starting at Cleveland. Uh, Dak Prescott. And I was disappointed with Baker Mayfield. I thought he'd have a better game. I mean, he did okay, but he wasn't even in the top 12 of, of quarterbacks. So that was definitely, you know, he should have been a sit, to be honest. In, in, in this matchup, it's, you know, unexcusable or inexcusable. But when you have Chubb and Hunt, I guess it doesn't matter. You're, you're not going to get a lot of fantasy points. Dak Prescott, of course. Elliott, uh, I had Chubb and Hunt, all good plays. I had Juice Landry, Odell Beckham, good plays. Cooper, Gallup, Land, Dalton Schultz, they were all good plays. And except for Gallup, he was my miss because he only had uh, two catches and like 19 yards. He was targeted five times. Gallup definitely needed to uh, pick it up. 
he, he should have been on the sit list. He wasn't. Austin Hooper, on the other hand, was on the sit list, and he scored a touchdown. So uh, maybe everyone should have been starting except for Michael Gallup because it seemed to be a good day for all. And uh, it was an exciting game to watch. That was a really high-scoring game. Jacksonville at Cincinnati. Picked Cincinnati to win that. They did with the spread. I was proud of that. Everyone was picking Jacksonville. Started Joe Burrow. Had an amazing game. James Robinson. James Robinson had a good day, just didn't score, unfortunately, which was sad. Uh, I really thought he would be a little more involved, especially after Miami. It wasn't the case. Joe Mixon just was amazing, and he had three touchdowns, two rushing, one receiving. He was a start. Chenault, he had 80-something yards receiving. He was a start. Had him on there. I had Drew Sample as a start, even though I said you know, he, he needs to be good, and he wasn't good. So even with good matchups, I mean, just sit Drew Sample. He's not who – he's not C.J. Azuma. He's not anybody. He's uh, maybe a decent blocking tight end, but he's not going to be relevant for fantasy football no matter what the matchup is. Sitting – I sat Gardner Minshew. It turned out to be an okay play. D.J. Chark. I said to sit D.J. Chark, and he was, you know, he was on fire. He had two touchdowns. I don't want to talk about it because we'll talk about him later. Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins. Uh, bad calls on both of those as they had a lot of yards. And anyway, Indianapolis, Chicago had Allen Robinson and Mo Alley Cox. They both had touchdowns, did well. I was sitting everybody else. And let's just say everyone else was the right choice. So I called that game perfectly. Except for I did say that Indianapolis or Chicago would cover the spread. They didn't. But other than that, I liked it. Arizona at Carolina. Man, this game was horrid. I said to start Mike Davis. I said to start Kyler Murray. I said to start Kenyon Drake. That was a big miss. And we definitely need to talk about Kenyon Drake. Because I'm at the point now with Kenyon Drake that I'm really worried about him. He uh, has had four weeks now to produce. He hasn't. He's had great matchups. We keep saying, oh, this is going to be the day that he's going to you know, prove everybody wrong and ha- he's going to have his big day. And he's not. And he, he doesn't even look good is the thing. And, you know, the Chase Edmonds kind of, I don't know, etched into his time a little bit, chiseled into his time. And it was definitely concerning in that regard if you are a Kenyon Drake owner because you drafted him in the first or second round. And you really were looking forward to that production. So, uh, you know, I had Chase Edmonds as one of my pickups of last week. And if you were able to get him as a pickup, you need to keep him for right now because he could be a hot commodity pretty soon With uh, if Kenyon Drake continues to uh, produce like this. Uh, we won't talk about that game. You know, Giants at the Rams, we won't talk about that game very much. I did – I didn't really – I missed – I missed on Daniel Jones. I said to start him. I will start him again next week, by the way. Uh, Newsflash. Daryl Henderson, I said to start. All signs pointed to him having a big day. He didn't. He barely was even used. Malcolm Brown was the better back. All you know, Beginning of the season, I said Malcolm Brown was the back to own for this year. And I just thought he was kind of banged up and wouldn't be used that much. And that's why I liked Henderson so much was the fact that I thought he would be the main back being used because the other two would be injured. And nope, Malcolm Brown. Uh, not that he had a great day, but he got most of the usage. Cooper Cup was a start. He, he had the touchdown. It was actually a really low-scoring game and pretty boring, to be honest. No one else really did anything in that game outside of that. Uh, Buffalo at Las Vegas, that game, Josh Allen, Derek Carr, Devin, Devin Singletary, uh, they were all starts. Uh, Hunter Renfro was disappointing. I thought he would do something. Did nothing. Waller and Diggs, they they, they did some stuff. They were good. And uh, Gabriel Davis scored an early touchdown, but then after that was pretty much invisible. He does show some promise if, you know, John Brown is injured, but John Brown played and uh, definitely got a, a lot more targets than I thought he would in this game. And then uh, Cole Beasley had a, an amazing touchdown where he like flipped over the line, and uh, he was a sit for me, and he ended up, you know, shouldn't have been a sit. New England at Kansas City, that was same thing, kind of a, a, a slow-moving game. Uh, Keneal Harry, 
or Nikhil Harry, I should say, he uh, got a touchdown. I said to sit him. That was a mistake. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I said to sit, and I, I'm okay with that. There was nothing that I saw with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire today that made him made, made me think that uh, there wasn't better options on your squad. Cole Hardman, I said to start. He had a touchdown. Uh, I said to start Mahomes, and you should have, even though he didn't really have a good game this week. And uh, the running back situation, I said uh, to pick up Damian Harris. He ended up starting. Sony Michelle went on the IR. Damian Harris got 100 yards, and I'm excited about that. Chiefs have been good against the run this year, and I actually had Sony Michelle on the bench. So since he went to IR and Damian Harris took a spot, he probably would have been a sit for me, and he wasn't. I mean, he he was all over the place. He, he was missing the touchdowns, but I really liked his production. And, you know, he, he doesn't look spectacular when he's running the ball, but he, uh, he gets the job done, and he's definitely worth a, a – a pickup if you haven't picked him up uh, it might be too late now because he's already gotten 100 yards he's going to be a, a hot commodity pickup if you if you haven't picked him up and uh you know newsflash he won't be our hot uh, commodity pickup just because he should have been picked up last week uh, he was one of our recommendations for last week so philadelphia at san francisco uh, everybody did pretty bad here kendrick Bourne could have had a touchdown he didn't he started george kittle and he pretty much was the <laughs> the the guy of the uh the week with uh, his 18 targets caught all 18 of them scored a touchdown man had like 185 yards receiving just ridiculous nick mullins got benched and you know i thought nick mullins had a great matchup this week and he just didn't look good at all carson wench wentz was a sit he ended up getting a rushing touchdown but uh he wasn't that impressive. Miles Sanders was a bench, and, you know, if you listen there, you can thank me because I said even though Miles Sanders is a top-tier running back, this is a game that I would bench him and I would put someone else in. And if you did, you probably pay dividends because Miles Sanders got like 75 yards, that's it. You know, seven points for your top running back is not that effective. So I said to sit Zach Ertz and – uh, again, that was sticking my neck out because Ertz is a top tight end. You would never bench a top tight end. I said, you know, this isn't one where I'm saying, you know, don't expect a big game from him, but play him. I'm like, don't even play him. And he didn't have a good game. So that was a good a good call on that one. And then finally, we'll get to the Monday night game, Atlanta at Green Bay. Starting everybody, Aaron Jones, Todd Gurley, Matt Ryan, Aaron Rodgers. Matt Ryan didn't have a great game, but Aaron Rodgers definitely did. Calvin Ridley, I said to start, just because he's Calvin Ridley. None of the Falcons receivers had a good game. Uh, you know, Adams and Lazard weren't playing. Valdez Scantling, uh, I said to start him. He didn't do anything spectacular, but Robert Tanyan did. He had three touchdowns. Just a beast at tight end. I said to start him, and I said to bench Hayden Hurst. And if you did, you were happy, but... You know, having Julio, Ridley, and Russell Gage all not do anything was kind of a tough blow for your 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 fantasy teams for sure. But anyways, that's the recap of the week of for my predictions, and I I like it. I like what uh, uh, I, I felt like hit a miss here and there, but overall it was a pretty solid week for uh, predicting uh, who to start and sit. The Burke and Miz Goats of the Week. Here we go. Let's get into our quarterback Goats of the Week. Starting out, number three, Aaron Rodgers versus the Falcons. He had an amazing day. It was against the Falcons, so you know any quarterback that played the Falcons have done pretty well, uh, except for Mitchell Trubisky because that was the game he got benched. But Aaron Rodgers, 26 of 31, 307 yards, four TDs. And this was impressive just because he didn't have Lazard, didn't have Devontae Adams, but he had old man Tanyan. And Tanyan just, Robert Tanyan, three touchdown catches. Last I saw, he had like 80-something yards, and he's probably still getting yards even after the game. It was a great performance by Aaron Rodgers. 
flinging it all over the field, threw a touchdown pass to Aaron Jones, just uh, all around really good day for Aaron Rodgers. The Packers are legit. <laughs> the Falcons are not legit. And uh, I thought the Packers were going to be a boring team this year, and they are not. They are a fun team. Aaron Rodgers is not the uh, game manager that I thought that they would try to make him going into the season. He uh, He's a great one, and he's showing you why he's a great one. Number two, Tom Brady versus the Chargers. He, he defies age, defies logic, just uh, keeps getting older and keeps producing. He's like the uh, old man, the New Year's old man, you know, he refuses, but he refuses to give it over to the baby. He's like, no, I'll take it from here. I'll just keep going into the next year. And that's Tom Brady in a nutshell. I mean, versus the Chargers, he was 30 for 46, 369 yards, five touchdowns. He threw one interception. And what was great about that was he was missing Chris Godwin. Godwin was out. And he threw it to five different receivers. Keyshawn Vaughn made an appearance to catch a touchdown. Mike Evans, O.J. Howard, just... uh was really impressive to watch Tom oh, Cameron Brait made an appearance. Uh, everybody. It was just a big day for old man Brady. And uh, this is, you know, just a continuation of good things to come for him. Dak Prescott was our number one. And I did that without much suspense or fanfare because it was pretty much a given. He's thrown for 500 yards like three straight weeks, had four touchdowns. Threw a pick and had a fumble, and that's 12 rushing yards. Just uh, all-around great performance. Hit CeeDee Lamb for a couple touchdowns. Amari Cooper. So just, uh, yeah, Dak Prescott, it's not even surprising anymore. And it's sad when, I guess it's not sad if you own him, but if you're playing against him, it's sad when you're like, yeah, I'm playing against Dak Prescott, so it's going to be another 500 four-touchdown day from him. And, I mean, it's not even right that this is starting to turn into the expectation, but it is. <laughs> Moving right into our running back goats of the week. Our number three goat is Melvin Gordon the third. After the uh, first two, third time's a charm. And against New York Jets, he rushed the ball 23 times for 107 yards and two touchdowns. He also had two catches on 11 yards, but uh, that's not significant. He uh, was a beast in uh, that last end-of-the-game run, like 45-yard run, kind of capped the game and uh, ensured victory for the Broncos. So overall, good game by Melvin Gordon. Definitely bounced back from his putrid game the week before. But uh, he's number, our number three goat of the week. Our number two, not surprising, seems to be on the list a lot. I predicted him. He was one of my picks for stars of the week. Dalvin Cook at Houston. Rushed the ball 27 times, 130 yards, had two touchdowns, had 16 yards receiving, and it's just Dalvin Cook. That's what he does. And, you know, granted, he doesn't always get two touchdowns, but sure seems like it. And this week, he just uh, ran all over the Houston Texans defense, and the Minnesota Vikings won. It was a, uh, I thought it was going to be a, a lower scoring game for the Vikings, and they didn't. They, uh, they dominated in most of the facets of the game. My number one star of the week, and this is a going to be a shocker because people were concerned about this gentleman, and everyone said, wait it out, give it time. Well, their patience finally paid off because it is none other than Joe Mixon, Cincinnati Bengals against the Jacksonville Jaguars. He rushed the ball 25 times for 151 yards, two touchdowns, and he also caught all of his targets Six receptions, 30 yards, had another touchdown receiving, and just had an all-around dominant performance, helping the Bengals defeat the Jaguars. And I'm excited about the resurgence of Joe Mixon. I think this is when he starts to uh, start getting off that schneid and uh, becoming that uh, number one back that you draft him to be. So, exciting stuff. <laughs> now this receiver... Goats of the week, I'm pretty excited about because we have the surf and turf edition of the wide receiver goats, and I'll explain in a bit. But number three is CD Lamb versus the Browns. 
Seven targets, five catches, 79 yards, and two touchdowns. Had a three-yard rush, but overall, he got the lion's share of the fantasy points uh, from Dak Prescott, and the Browns are horrible at playing the slot receiver, and they were in this one. Lamb annihilated the Browns, had a big week. Good for C.D. Lamb. Our number two goat of the week, D.J. Chark Jr. at the Bengals. Nine targets, had eight catches for 95 yards and two touchdowns. And D.J. Chark, dun-dun-dun-dun-dun, D.J. Chark, dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. And this is why it's our surf and turf edition, because we got the lamb, we got the shark. Surf and turf, baby. Um, number one, Odell Beckham Jr. at Dallas. He's, you know, got targeted eight times, has five catches, but 81 yards and two touchdowns. And then he ran the ball two times for another 73 yards and a touchdown. Very end of the game, got like a 50-yard run on a end around. And he is just, he was explosive and, and really dynamic. And, you know, like I said, I, we had the surf and turf. We have the two juniors with Beckham Jr. and Chark Jr., and this was a good week for receivers, and they head and shoulders were above everybody else this week. So really fun to watch the receivers play this week, and, uh, you know, especially young talents like Lamb and Chark, and then uh, watching Beckham kind of, you know, even if it's for a short window, seeing his, uh, his uh, greatness again was really fun. All right, let's finish this off with our goats of the week at the tight end position. Our number three goat, Mark Andrews at Washington. He was a top play. Uh, actually, I did well calling the tight ends for stars of the week because I had two out of the three. Mark Andrews was on there, and he had three catches for 57 yards, two touchdowns. And even though he he got a lot less targets than what I predicted or thought he would get, he made the most of it. Uh, two touchdowns on three catches. You can't do much better than that. George Kittle versus the Eagles. He's our number two GOAT of the week. He also was a star that I predicted uh, before the games and definitely came through. He had 15 for fi- he had 15 targets, caught all 15, 183 yards, one touchdown, had a three-yard run. Just It was the George Kittle show in San Francisco. And they lost to the Eagles. So out of all that, they lost to a team that they should have beat, but uh, not because of George Kittle, that's for sure. Our number one star of the week, and this is, just came out of nowhere. Uh, came, you know, just the game just got over not too long ago. Robert Tanyan versus the Falcons had six catches for 98 yards, three touchdowns. Three. He had the hat trick. For, uh, at the tight end position, Aaron Rodgers was looking at him all night. Really great game. He definitely, you know, was one of our pickups of the week for last week, and made me feel really good about that because he definitely came through in the clutch. You know, you always want guys to produce when you tell people to pick him up, and Robert Tanyan did. So, hat off to him. Number one goat at the tight end position, and if you don't have him, get him because he's definitely going to be a hot commodity after this night. Burke and Ms. the Wiz Maltobon, Ghosts of the Week. Let's get this started. All right, our Ghosts of the Week segment for quarterbacks. And this is the opposite of the goats. This is the ghosts. This is where we mourn the bad performances by players that we had some hope for. Our number three Ghost of the Week is Philip Rivers at Chicago. He was 16 for 29. So in this day and age, only getting 16 completions is not good. Had 190 yards. He did have the one touchdown, but that was Phillip Rivers' day, and uh, it's pretty, it's a pretty sad day. Uh, these next two actually were in the same game, so you can imagine how that game went. But number two ghost of the week at quarterback was Jared Goff versus the Giants. 25 for 32. Had 200 yards and a touchdown. And that was to Cooper Cup. Very pedestrian day for Jared Goff, especially against that Giants defense. I'm sure uh, a lot of people probably started him thinking that he might have a great game, and he did not have a great game. My 
number one ghost, which leads, you know, I kind of gave it away by saying it was the same game, but it's Daniel Jones at the Rams, and this is four weeks in a row of mediocre play by Daniel Jones. He was 23 for 36, 190 yards, had one interception, and what saved his day, which I guess isn't really saving it because it was horrible, was he had uh, 45 yards rushing, but I'm doubling down on Daniel Jones, and you'll, you'll see here later on in the podcast, but Daniel Jones is, uh, had the rough part of his schedule. It's starting to open up. This is where Daniel Jones should start becoming a commodity. You know, this is my prediction. We will see. I mentioned it last week. I'm mentioning it this week, um, but for now, he sits with our, our ghosts of the week. Our running back ghosts of the week. We actually could have had a lot of ghosts this week. I obviously didn't want to put injury in here, and I, I know I did a, on week one, and that was because I didn't have a lot of options. This week, there was plenty of options. Uh, they made it really easy for me to get three of them. My number three ghost of the week is Josh Jacobs against the Bills, and he had 15 carries for 48 yards. Had four targets, caught three of them for 25, and just a really pedestrian day for Josh Jacobs. It definitely wasn't the opening week explosion of three touchdowns that he had. Um, it was the complete opposite. And if you're a, Jake, a Josh Jacobs owner, this is two mediocre weeks in a row, so you're, you're probably scrambling, and it's unfortunate. But number two, ghost of the week, and I bought the hype. I think everyone bought the hype. It's Daryl Henderson against the Giants. He only carried the ball eight times for 22 yards, had one catch for 16, and that's the most dumbfounding part about it was I didn't think Malcolm Brown was going to be ready. He was injured. I figured that left the backfield to Daryl Henderson. But no, Malcolm Brown shakes it off, gets back out on the field, and then becomes the bigger target share of carries for these Rams offense. And he didn't necessarily do well either, but... Yeah, that game was uh, it was a it was torture watching that game. It wasn't necessarily like you know you have some defensive games where you're like, man, this is good defense. This was not one of those games. This was just a, a bad game in general. Uh, nobody could really do anything, and Daryl Henderson really didn't get too many opportunities. So, you know, you, you get nine opportunities in a game. Definitely didn't meet your expectations. My number one ghost of the week, and he's definitely my number one because if you're an owner of him you need to be very concerned Kenyon Drake at Carolina 13 carries for 35 yards I don't know what the Cardinals are doing they're obviously not using Kenyon Drake and you know I I would say he's not performing very well Uh, he, he doesn't look good but he's really not getting into the flow of the games it's you know the volume that he's getting at games is just baffling to me and like Kyler Murray's taking over goal line rushes and it's just uh you know Chase Edmonds is actually did better than Kenyon Drake and you know he was one of our pickups last week so if you listen to the last week's show definitely have Edmonds on your bench because he's looking like he could it's very real possibility that he can start creeping into those uh that workload and take it over especially if he starts becoming the more effective back so it's definitely something to think about and uh, again, Kenyon Drake, the number one ghost of the week, and you know the alarms are sounding. I'm, I'm really concerned about Kenyon Drake right now. <laughs> Our wide receiver ghost of the week, and this one wasn't as painful because uh, you know there's one player here that uh, I thought was really disappointing, but the other two. One's hot and cold. The other one just hasn't been good all year. My number three ghost of the week is Julian Edelman at the Chiefs. He's targeted only six times, had three catches for 35 yards. And with as much as Cam Newton targets Julian Edelman, the Hoyer and Stidham do not. He looked definitely out of sync with the other quarterbacks. He actually had the pass from Stidham that was right in his hands that he just dropped, but uh, went right back to the defender, uh, Honey Badger. Honey Badger took it to the house for six, and that's all she wrote, basically ending the game. And 
Edelman definitely has an issue with hands at times, but uh, when you're only targeted six times, it's going to definitely amplify and not a productive night for him. My number two ghost of the week, T.Y. Hilton at Chicago. was targeted five times, only had three catches for 29 yards. And I don't know what happened to T.Y. Hilton. Uh, he used to be the you know, fancy hotel on the corner. And with age, all the other places got modern and got fancier. And now uh, Hilton's the uh, aged hotel on the corner that's uh, breaking down and nobody wants to visit anymore. And uh, Quarterbacks definitely don't want to visit him because he only has five targets in this game. Definitely needs to uh, be more part of the offense. Rivers doesn't care, though. Uh, he's, Rivers hasn't ever really used the slot receiver very much. Definitely uh, definitely uh, in the past, uh, that was more of like the big play option down the field when they had Tyrell Williams and, and the like. But uh, as of right now, T.Y. Hilton's invisible, and uh, he's almost a drop, which is, is really sad to say. Michael Gallup is our number one ghost of the week at receiver. And I can't figure him out. And I say this from experience. I have him on my fantasy team. He'll get, you know, like last week where he had 100 yards and a touchdown. And then this week where he has five targets for only two catches and 29 yards. And it's been a back and forth like that every week. So probably next week he'll have another 100-yard day and a touchdown. But uh, it's really hard to figure out. That inconsistency is tough to have in your lineup. And Michael Gallup deserves every bit of having that number one ghost of the week. Now, moving on to our tight end ghosts of the week. It uh, One is, I think, a repeat from last week. But number three, Mike Kosicki versus Seahawks. Targeted three times, had one catch for 15 yards. And... I'll be honest, I didn't expect Mike Kosicki to have a big day. I knew those wide receivers were going to be targeted a lot, but, you know, a guy of his talent only getting one catch for 15 yards. You know you started him against the Seahawks, and we're disappointed. My number two ghost of the week, this is even a bigger disappointment, and I have the I have the alarm that I have with Kenyon Drake on this player as a tight end, but it's Zach Ertz. Uh, he was at San Francisco, had five targets, four catches, Nine yards. Nine yards was all he had. Nine. And with Dallas Goddard being on the IR, um, you know, we'll look at the pickups this week and we'll talk about it. But I'm concerned about Zach Ertz. He's not looking the same. He's not that old. So, I mean, he's – I don't want to blame age. Like, he's getting up there in age. It's just there's something not right with Zach Ertz right now. And he's he's not being the productive tight end that – you want him to be. And he kind of had this problem last year, too. Started off really slow and then kind of heated up towards the end of the year. So hopefully that's the case with uh, him this season. Maybe he's just a slow starter. But as of right now, it's not looking good for Zach Ertz. Logan Thomas is our number one ghost of the week at tight end against the Ravens. Four targets, one catch, eight yards. And Logan Thomas, just he's the one that... Uh, second week in a row where he's just not producing. So at this point, he needs to be a drop. He had the potential. He had a lot of targets earlier on. Those are dropping because he's not producing, and that's unfortunate. But, uh, you know, maybe there's greater things ahead for Logan Thomas. I think with his quarterback situation, it's not helping much either. But, man, he's had a two-week fall from grace, and at this point uh, – He's going to be dropped, or he's, his fall from grace is going to be falling right off of your uh, roster for your fantasy football team. It's Burke and Mrs. Pickups of the Week. Let's get it started. Here's my favorite part of the show. It's the pickups to stickups. Here's the top pickups at each position you need to be targeting for this week. And... Some of it's based off of the performances of last week. Some of it is just based off of the situations coming into this week. But let's get started. Quarterback, our number three quarterback pickup is Kirk Cousins from Minnesota. The Vikings are playing the Seahawks. And although Fitzpatrick didn't do as well as what I thought he would do playing against the Seahawks defense, he still was a top 12 quarterback. He was 
actually, I believe, number nine or ten. So Kirk Cousins is the quarterback playing the Seahawks this week. I think there's some big things for Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. And Kirk Cousins is the one that's going to be getting him the ball. So if he's out there on waivers, you know, the Detroit and Green Bay have the buys. So say you're an Aaron Rodgers or Matthew Stafford owner, Kirk Cousins could be a good pickup this week to fill in the gaps and have some really productive fantasy football production. My number two pickup of the week at quarterback is none other, none other than the guy I've been trying to build up who hasn't been performing, Daniel Jones at Dallas. You see what quarterbacks do against Dallas, except for maybe Baker Mayfield. But he finally has a week where the matchup is prime. He can produce and be a big-time player. And I think Daniel Jones takes advantage of this matchup and has an amazing week. So I am playing Daniel Jones at the Dallas Cowboys, and I'm really excited about it. So this would be a good chance to pick him up and play him. And as a backup, I think you can potentially keep him on your roster because there's going to be some other matchups that I like with him. And coming into the season, I thought he was going to take the next step. And he hasn't yet, but that's probably due to the defenses that he plays. And, you know, we talked about this last week, and I'm still on board with that philosophy. I think Daniel Jones is going to be a, a, a top 12 quarterback from here on out the rest of the season. Teddy Bridgewater is my number one pickup of the week. He's playing the Atlanta Falcons. You see what people do against the Atlanta Falcons. Teddy Bridgewater is a decent quarterback. His big thing, especially early on in the season, was he wasn't scoring touchdowns. That kind of changed last week. And with this Falcons defense, I don't see how you can't score touchdowns. So uh, I... I think Teddy Bridgewater just has an amazing game. And you can pick him up off your waiver wire and plug him in, and he will be a great play. Moving on to running back, my number three running back pickup is Anthony McFarland for the Steelers. They're playing the Eagles. Big reason why I have Anthony McFarland. It's a little different reason than these other guys that I have listed ahead of him. But they're going to start incorporating it. Anthony McFarland into their offense. James Conner obviously is their workhorse back. He gets injured a lot. And Benny Snell was decent, but he had a couple fumbles and back-to-back games, and he's more of their short yardage back. And you, you saw McFarland make some big plays in the, uh, the last game against the Texans, and I think that continues. I think they're going to continue to try to get him in situations where he can succeed and get out on that edge. And once he's out on that edge, watch out. He can uh, be explosive. So if you're hurting that running back, I think Anthony McFarland's a great gamble to have. And, yeah, he's my number three. My number two is Justin Jackson for the Chargers. I get that uh, there's been injuries with Justin Jackson earlier in the season. Austin Eckler's probably out for the season. So Justin Jackson's a long-term investment he would actually be my number one pickup, except for Joshua Kelly is there. So he's not definitely getting the full workload. He's going to be splitting carries with Joshua Kelly. But the way the Chargers run the ball, I think there's enough room for both of them. And Justin Jackson needs to be added to your team immediately. My number one running back, De'Ernest, ja- uh, De'Ernest Johnson for the Browns. They're playing the Cowboys, or they played the Cowboys last week. And... He's had 95 yards rushing after Nick Chubb got hurt. So the second-year guy from South Florida is definitely worth a waiver wire pickup because as much as they run the ball, Kareem Hunt can't physically do it all, and the Ernest Johnson is going to be the waiver wire pickup to have. He's going to have big games for you. People are going to be wondering, who is this Ernest Johnson? Well, you're going to know because we're telling you right now to pick him up. He, uh, he, uh, it didn't, it didn't feel like the Browns missed a beat with him in there. So I like his talent. I think he can be productive till Nick Chubb gets back, and he needs to be your number one waiver wire pickup. Wide receiver, my number three waiver wire pickup for receivers, Greg Ward from the Eagles. And it's really, with the Eagles, just a battle of attrition with them. Greg Ward is 
basically the last man standing. Um, I have Alshon Jeffrey, kind of Greg Ward slash Alshon Jeffrey as the pickup here. And I like both of them. So I guess I'm cheating because I'm giving you four. But they both play for the Eagles, and they're both the only two receivers that are really left. You know, Deshaun Jackson's been hurt. Rager's on IR. Um, you know, uh, Arcega Whiteside's on IR. Just Hightower was hurt. It just feels like everybody's hurt. And uh, Ward, I like just a tad bit. Well, I like Alshon Jeffrey a, a tad bit better than Greg Ward. My biggest issue is Jeffrey has missed a lot of time last year. He's missed a lot of time this year. Is he going to come back and be effective? But his past production says, yeah, you need to give him a shot. So at least have him on your bench because Carson Wentz has to throw it to somebody. And why can't that somebody be Alshon Jeffrey, who's shown in the past that he's, you know, he has some chemistry with Wentz. Uh, and Greg Ward, again, is their other receiver. And he gets the targets. He doesn't always do a lot with them, but you got to like that the, the target volume. My number two receiver is Isaiah Ford for the Dolphins. I'm worried about Preston Williams. He's not doing as well as I thought he would, especially you know before he got hurt last year. He looked like he was going to be a monster. He's not doing that this year, and those targets are starting to go away from Preston Williams and more are going towards Isaiah Ford. So with the Miami's passing attack, Isaiah Ford is an intriguing option to get off the waiver wire and, and I don't think he's a plug-and-play yet, but he definitely could be a guy that you can get on your roster if you're hurting at receiver and uh, can pay year-long dividends if he moves into that number two receiver role. My number one receiver off the waiver wire is Tim Patrick for the Broncos, and I get it. Quarterback situation's ugly. The team is in shambles. Drew Locke is coming back sooner than not. Like, he might miss this week. There's a 50-50 shot at week five. Probably, you know, a 25% or 75% chance the, the the next week. But when Drew Locke gets back, I really like Tim Patrick. Cortland Sutton's out for the year, and Tim Patrick's kind of taken on that other receiver role. K.J. Hamler's in the slot. You know, Jerry Judy is looking like he's going to be a stud for years to come. And... Tim Patrick, you know, he had 100 yards and a touchdown last week, and he's getting targets, and you can't ignore those targets to the point where I think he's the number one wide receiver pickup you can make. Uh, It's hard to find a starting receiver that gets that many targets on the waiver wire going, you know, what, the fifth week into the season. So you you need to look at Tim Patrick and, and pick him up if you need some receiver depth. Tight end, my number three tight end to pick up is Cameron Brait for the Buccaneers. And I have Cameron Brait there because we talked about it earlier. O.J. Howard is hurt. He's out for the year. Rob Gronkowski is there. I get it. But Rob Gronkowski hasn't been targeted as much as the other tight end. Cameron Brait's a decent pass-catching tight end. And he's done it in the past as a second tight end and been relevant. And I think he can do it again, especially with Brady. Brady knows how to use two tight ends. And I think Cameron Brate's value just is is skyrocketed now. He's he's definitely going to be a viable commodity, and I think he can be a top twelve tight end the rest of the way, uh, you know, from week five on. So we'll see if that uh, comes to fruition. But uh, Cameron Brate is definitely a uh, a guy I want on my 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 roster, if uh, especially if I'm hurting at tight end. My number two is Richard Rogers for the Eagles. And, we, you know, I said we were going to talk about this later, but Zach Ertz hasn't been impressing me. He hasn't been getting open. He looks sluggish. He's been really inconsistent. Could be just another bad start like he had last year. Uh, you know, there's, there's some baseball players that don't show up for months at a time before they start producing. And maybe Zach Ertz is the baseball version of, uh, you know, f- for the Eagles in, in that regard. But in the meantime, Richard Rodgers is at number two tight end. He's replacing Dallas Goddard, uh, and I think he can replace that production. Richard Rodgers was a decent tight end for Aaron Rodgers when he played for the Packers. You know, he caught that uh, one of those Hail Mary passes at the end of the game against the Seahawks, and or was it the Lions? I can't remember. There's been so many Hail Marys by Aaron Rodgers. Anyway, Richard Rodgers is he's, he's done it before, and I think he can be a 
big commodity, especially the way the Eagles use the tight end position. He definitely needs to be in consideration. And if you don't pick him up, you definitely need to be tagging him or flagging him and and uh, the old tag and flag, making sure that uh, you're at least watching him because uh, if his production picks up, he's going to be a, a good person to have on your roster. My number one pickup is David Joku from the Browns at tight end. And I know what you're saying. Austin Hooper is there. Austin Hooper just got a touchdown. But Joku just played the first week of the season and didn't even play the whole game and had 40 yards and a touchdown. I expect similar production from here on out. I think Joku's the more athletic tight end. I think he's going to be utilized more in the red zone. And I'm excited that he's coming back. He could be, you know, a top six tight end that nobody's even talking about that could just sneak onto your roster because nobody is paying attention that he's coming off of IR. So, you know, pay attention to that. If you have an IR slot, pick him up, put him in your IR slot. But he's coming back soon, if not this week. So he's my number one tight end pickup, and I'd be rushing out, especially if I'm hurting at tight end, to uh, get his talents. Who do I start this week? What's the point spread? What are the injuries? Should I bench this guy? I don't know what to do. Man. I just hope I win. The Burke and Ms. the Wiz Montalban Weekly Preview. Starting now. It is time. It is time for our Thursday night preview. Our Thursday night game is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Chicago Bears. Tampa Bay is favored by five and a half points. It's at Soldier Field. I am taking Tampa Bay and giving up the five and a half points with Trubisky and Foles playing quarterback. I don't trust that offense to be able to score points. I do, however, trust the Buccaneers' offense to score enough points and I am taking Tampa Bay and those points. So from a fantasy football perspective on who to start, I am starting, we'll go with the starts first. I'm starting Cordero Patterson, and I think this is a big game for him. He's, I think he's going to take over more of that Tariq Cohen role. He didn't as much as I thought these this last week, but I think this week you're going to start seeing it. They definitely need to be more dynamic. David Montgomery had a horrible game last week, and I don't think that uh, is any surprise with uh, kind of being one-dimensional at that position. So I think they're going to try to work Cordero Patterson into the fold a little bit, and he's going to be worth a start. I have Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. If Chris Godwin plays, they are just must-starts regardless on their matchup. Allen Robinson, kind of the same thing. He's a must-play regardless of that matchup. And I have Cameron Brait. You know, I talked about him in my pickups. I think this is a great matchup for him. He needs to be starting, and you need to be playing him if you pick him up. I think this is a type of week where he can have one or two touchdowns and be really effective. So having said that, everyone else is on my sit list, and you don't want to be on the sit list, but uh, Nick Foles, Definitely, you know, watching him last week, I don't see how he can do anything against any defense right now or no matter who he plays. So he's on my sit list. It's not a good matchup anyways. Tom Brady, he had such an amazing dynamic game last week. Bears are a different breed, though. They, I'm putting him on. I don't think he's a Tom Brady's a top 12 quarterback this week, and hence he's going to be on, you know, on my bench if I have another option. If not, you know, I'm starting him just knowing that he could come uh, outside of the top 12 in, in his quarterback rankings this week. David Montgomery, I have him on the bench. I want nothing to do with David Montgomery this game. And that's the same with uh, Ronald Jones. If Leonard Fournette is back. I'm not sure if he will be. Uh, they're both on my bench. Scotty Miller's on my bench. Justin Watson's on my bench. Everybody not named Godwin or Evans is on my bench at receiver. Anthony Miller's on my bench. Darnell Mooney's on my bench. And then uh, Rob Gronkowski and Jimmy Graham are on my bench 
as well. Uh, you know, usually when you see a bunch of sits and not a, a, that many starts, I always like to take the under uh, on the point spread, or not the point spread, on the uh, over-under. I like to take the under when I'm sitting a lot of people because that shows me that it's not looking like it's going to be a high-scoring game. And in this one, indeed, it looks like it's uh, going to be kind of a, a lower-scoring game, and there's not going to be a lot of fantasy relevance to it, which, you know, we we thought kind of some of the same things uh, with the Chicago-Indianapolis game, and that's how it kind of panned out. Um, you know, last Thursday we thought it was going to be a slog fest where it was going to be a low-scoring game, but after doing the research, I had a lot of starts, and... Uh, it ended up being pretty high scoring, um, so I, I like to, you know, go through this list and analyze it, and this kind of helps me with, uh, you know, kind of knowing if I think a team's going to cover the spread or if I'm going to go with the over/under. And in this case, yeah, I'm going with the under, taking Tampa Bay at 5.5, and I'm not liking a lot of people in this matchup. The show is over. Thanks for listening to the Burke and Ms. the Wiz Montalban Fantasy Football Podcast. You can reach me on Twitter at Ms. M-I-Z-Z Montalban, M-O-N-T-A-L-B-A-N. And we'll get right back at it in a couple days going over the Sunday morning games. In the meantime, we hope you get your waiver wire uh, targets and you're that much closer to victory this week. Take care. We'll talk to you soon.